Psalm 103, the 103rd Psalm, one of the sure ways of uh, testing our spiritual growth or our spiritual temperature is our attitude toward gratitude. When we're away from the Lord, when our hearts are far from Him, we forget His benefits, we forget His closeness, His nearness, His provision. You notice in Psalm 103 that the superscription tells us it is a psalm of David, and that is the human author. And David has much to praise the Lord for in these verses. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. When he tells us not to forget something, that reminds us there is a tendency to do just that. And so this is a warning to forget not his benefits. And not just some of them, but all of them. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto children's children, to such as keep his covenant, and to those that remember his covenants to do them. The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. We get just a preview of how the angels behave, and they always do his will. They do it implicitly and quickly. They uh, hearken to his voice and to his word. We would do well to imitate them, would we not? Bless ye the Lord, all ye his hosts, ye ministers of his that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And so the psalmist takes us, ends us, and takes us right back to where he began with blessing the Lord for what he's done. I always see so many things here. Amazing fact about this psalm is that there are no requests. They're all praises. How often our prayers, and rightfully so, are requests because we need so much. But we also should praise Him for much, should we not? For what He already has provided. We see that He praises Him because He saves in verse 3. He keeps in verse 4. He satisfies in verse 5. And then we'll see that we should praise the Lord for what He has not done, what He's kept us back from, what He's forgiven us from. Verse 10 tells us that He's not dealt with us as He could have. He's absolutely just and holy. 
He could have dealt with us sin for sin. He could have dealt with us eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. He could have absolutely judged every sin and iniquity to its fullest extent. And yet for those who have come to him for mercy and grace, he's not dealt with us that way, has he? If he had dealt with us as he should have, we'd all already be suffering in the torments of hell. He doesn't deal with us the way we deserve to be dealt with. He deals with us on the basis of the cross. And not on uh, what we have done, but on what His Son has done in our place. The blood of His Son cleanses us from all sin. Verse 19, no matter how difficult our situation may be, and we all have difficult things, some to greater degrees than others, but no matter what our situation is today, we can rejoice because verse 19 says, The Lord has established His throne in heaven. We're very confident of that. He is sovereign. He is ruling over all. He's working to his eternal plan. He will bring his eternal plan to pass. His kingdom rules over all. There's an earthly kingdom which we can see, but I want you to know there's a far greater and more powerful heavenly kingdom in that uh, realm of the unseen that one day will come to earth and he will rule in perfect righteousness. Isaac Watts wrote so beautifully, He raised me from the deeps of sin, the gates of gaping hell, and fixed my standing more secure than twas before I fell. Well, we have much to praise Him for. Psalm sixty-eight, nineteen: Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits. Not just sometime and in some past time, but He keeps on doing it, doesn't He? Daily loading us. Look at the picture there in Psalm 68, verse 19. Piling it on. Piling the benefits upon us. And the benefit there, the word there, we usually think of blessings, but it means what all that he has done, our situation, our status, our standing, his program toward us. And we praise him for that. Even the God of our salvation, he that is our God is the God of salvation. And to the Lord, the the God, the Lord belong the issues from death. And then Psalm 116, verse 12, what shall I render unto the Lord? What shall I give him because of his benefits? For all his benefits toward me, I will take the cup of salvation. I will call upon the name of the Lord. All the blessings from the Lord that we enjoy flow to us from the salvation that he's provided for us through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. In a sense, everyone benefits by the goodness of the Lord. We remarked about the rain that we received. The Lord knows exactly how much we need how much we're going to need in the future, and he gives us exactly what it is. But those who are lost, those who cursed his name today, will benefit from the bountiful rain today just as the saved will. And so in a certain sense, the the common grace that God sheds upon all men, all enjoy those things, the sunshine, the rain, the sweet family relationships and friendships, unsaved people have those as well as the saved. But there's a particular an unusual blessing for those he has made his own children. For one thing, he causes us to recognize from whom our blessings flow. The unsaved don't realize that, do they? Or don't recognize the giver, the fount of every blessing. But we've been enlightened. We've been shown that. There is a God in heaven. He is everlasting. And he so graciously pours down his blessings upon us. Well, the psalmist here is encouraging himself Remember, the Bible tells us that David encouraged himself in the Lord. One day when he and his men came back from a, 
particular work they were doing, they came to the, the village of Ziklag where he and his mighty men were hiding away from Saul and his uh, wrath and ire. And when they got there, the, the village was absolutely ransacked. Their wives and children had been taking, taken hostage, and they knew not. They did not know the fate of their families. And so the Bible tells us that as David's own men were so aggrieved, so broken in their hearts at, at what they saw there, the devastation of their homes and the, their families gone, just the smoldering ruins that they came very close to stoning David. The Bible says they were picking up stones to, to, to stone David. His own men had turned against him. And do you know what David did? The Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord. Well, that's a spiritual person who can do that. So often we're waiting for someone else to come along and encourage us. But it, David, as it were, took himself up by the, the, the nap of the neck, by the the, the coat and, and by the, the collar and says, now get with it. Look at what the Lord's done for you. If he never answered another prayer, he's already blessed you. And in fact, as it was, they regained their families and the Lord spared them and they were able to bring them back. Well, he's encouraging himself here. Could it be that this psalm was written as a result of that experience? We do not know, but he's encouraging himself. First of all, to forget not his forgiveness. We see there in verse 3, who forgiveth us some of our sins. Is that what he says? He forgives us of our major offenses. No. God does everything lavishly and gloriously and completely. Who forgiveth us all. Would you say that together? All. All of them. All means, you know what it means in the Hebrew? It means all. Every single one of them. Aren't you glad of that? Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. Now, I don't know what diseases you have. You may not know what diseases you have within the members of our body and our DNA and all. Who knows what's at work? This we know that we're all working toward the grave, aren't we? But the Lord, the Bible tells us that our greatest disease, if you will, is the disease of sin. It is. Uh, infects every area of our life, our mind, our will, our emotions, our bodies, our relationship. There's no part of us that sin does not uh, invade. But when the Lord heals, he, if He heals our deepest needs. We praise Him for physical healings in this life. But far, far more important is the, the disease of the soul that needs the healing touch from the Lord. To him who had much forgiven to his man. And the tendency is to forget, isn't it? Oh, the worst thing in the world at this Thanksgiving season is for a believer to forget the sin that he was saved out of and healed from. Now, I'm not saying you should rehearse your past life and, and revel in all that. That's not. But you should never, ever, ever forget that you were on your way to hell when the Lord saved you. And you'd be there right now. If he had. And think of where you would have been had the Lord not intervened just when he did. It's an amazing thing. We were all headed for destruction. What does the Bible say? On the broad road that leads to destruction, headlong, fiercely going in that direction when the Lord intervened and interposed his precious blood. Well, but the Bible tells us one of the most remarkable, and I say it in a negative way, remarkable stories in the Scripture is our Lord gives the illustration of a man who'd been given, forgiven much by his master. Oh, a horrible debt that he could never pay. And then he in turn went out and harshly treated a friend who owed him just a few dollars. 
Well, that's, that's one of the most despicable illustrations in the Bible as far as the emotion that comes within us. How ungrateful. How could he treat someone like that when he'd been forgiven so much? And yet, in our relationships, we do that. Think of the, the debt that God has forgiven us of in eternity that we could, we could not buy salvation. Think of what it would have cost. It cost the, the, the Savior's life and blood. We could never have paid that. And God has cleared our debt, freed us from the eternal bondage, and yet we often withhold forgiveness from other people. How can we do that? How can we do, hold that little thing when we owe God so much? What a short memory we have as humans. Child of God, did you forget that when the Lord cleansed you and forgave you that you were on just one heartbeat from eternal separation from God in the horrors of hell? Did you forget how much He forgave you of? All the wicked thoughts that have passed through your mind in your lifetime. All the selfish things you did or or thought about doing or would have done if you couldn't have gotten by with them. All the careless, harsh words that we've spoken. Every idle word. The hurt that we caused others. All the things you would have done if you could have gotten by with it. Oh, the Lord takes all that to account. When you begin to think about the debt we owed and what we were released from and what we were forgiven of, it's a horrible and huge debt that we could have never paid. Think of the debt you owe to a perfect God. Not only what He forgave you of, but all that He does to keep you alive. It's a marvelous thing. The body is the most amazing thing in all the world. Every cell that has to be fed and supplied with with energy and sustenance all the intricacies of the brain and the circulatory system, so much that medicine has never figured out, does not know how it all uh, works so harmoniously together. And, but the Lord does it for us, a debt we could never repay. All the things that you have not done that he, he's commanded you to do. Think of that. All the sins of omission, the, the things we should be doing that, that we've often neglected. Verse 3 tells us he forgave us from all our iniquities. A clean slate. And where that debt was is applied to us, the very righteousness of Christ. What a benefit. What a blessing the Lord has done for us. But verse 4 tells us he redeemed our lives from destruction. You know, we live lives of destruction. We are our own worst enemy, aren't we? We so often, we've tangled webs of deceit and, and we get ourselves into situation, destruction all around us. We were all on our road to destruction, self-destruction when he saved us, a road that ultimately would have led to hell. Some of you were saved out of destructive lifestyles. If we were to give testimonies, there were some who were saved out of very harmful, harmful lifestyles uh, and practices and sins. Think of where it would have led you had you stayed on that road and kept participating in those deeds and those destructive lifestyles when the Lord intervened just when He did. Oh, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not all of His benefits. We should rehearse them. Is that not what corporate worship is for? We sing songs that remind us of what the Lord has done and is doing. And in the secret place, we can thank Him even more personally and privately when no one else is listening for what He saved us from and done. How could we forget such great grace? We're saved by it. We're made new creations in Christ by His grace. It's all by His grace. For by grace are you saved through faith. It is the gift of God, the lavish benefit of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, 
the word forgive, when he says he forgiveth, verse 3, all of our iniquities, means to release us from the debt we owed. Oh, when you pay off a bill, there's no feeling like that, is it? Just to pay it off and be done with it. It's through. We'll never have to uh, have anything to do with that again. You pay off a mortgage. You pay off a bill that's owed. When you straighten up accounts and get everything like they should be, oh, the freedom of forgiveness. Well, that's what God does when he forgives, foregoes the, the, the debt that we owed him. We cannot, how can we brag on ourselves? We had nothing to do with that. Now, you might brag if you were to, to be able to save up money to pay off a mortgage or some huge debt and you'd be proud about it and thankful about it and uh, glad for it. But the debt that God forgave you of, you could have never paid it off. That's what is so amazing, what's so marvelous about it. What if you owed the debt of the United States yourself? That was your own personal debt. Oh, we can't even, we can't even put it on a piece of paper, can't we? They tell us what it is. It's so big, so vast, we can't even comprehend the debt of our nation. But I want you to know the debt that you and I owe to God was far more, if you could have put it in a numerical amount, far more than the debt of the United States. You couldn't have paid it off in a thousand lifetimes. And so we, we brag on him. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Forget not all that he's done. All that we can do is, as the song says, praise the Savior, ye who know him. Who can tell how much we owe him? Gladly let us render to him all we are and have. Trust in him, ye saints, forever. He is faithful, changing never. Neither force nor guile can sever those he loves from him. Then we shall be where we would be. Then we shall be what we should be. Things are not, that are not now nor could be soon shall be our own. Oh, we have so much to praise him for. But not only does he forgive us of our sins, he lavishly does that, but we see, secondly, we should not forget his ways. Look there in verse 7. He begins to tell us he has made known his ways unto Moses. The books of Moses tells us of their great deliverance, the law of God, who, what God is like, what he expects. He made known his ways. Now, Paul said in, when he was recounting in that portion of Scripture, Romans chapter 7, I would not have known sin had the law not told me what it is. God is gracious to let us know. Now, you might have broken a law that you didn't know was a law one time uh, or, or sometime, but ignorance of the law is no excuse. You may have not known that the speed limit changed two or three times in a little short distance, uh, as you might find yourself in sometimes. But uh, you're ignorant of the fact. God so graciously has told us what he expects, what he is like, and what our sin is. He made known his ways, his acts, unto the children of Israel. There is no God like our God. Our God has shown us his ways. He forgives our sins, but he also judges sin. Do not let us forget that the, the wonderful loving kindness of the Lord does not mean that there's no sin or that sin does not have to be dealt with. Every sin that's been ever committed by every person who's ever lived must be judged. And God has made provision. We overlook that fact in the grand scheme of redemption that sin is judged at Calvary. If it is not judged at Calvary, it'll be judged personally throughout all of eternity. We think of Pharaoh, that great king who ruled over Egypt when the children of Israel were in bondage there. Think of how lovingly and patiently that the Lord dealt with the children of Israel. 
his strong, outstretched arm and delivering them from the bondage there. They couldn't have done that, could they? There was no way they could have left the bondage of Pharaoh. He had them in his, his, his hold. Uh, they had nothing. They had no means. And even if they'd all had rioted and gotten together to, to leave, the Pharaoh's armies would have slaughtered them. They were no match for Pharaoh. Who, who, but God could have delivered them. And he delivered them with his outstretched arm, didn't he? He caused, the Bible tells us mysteriously and amazingly, the armies of Pharaoh could not get to the children of Israel. Over a million people leaving Egypt. And they got to the Red Sea. God parted it and they began to cross. Now these weren't a million athletes. These were not a, a million Olympians or a million teenagers. They were old people, young people, mothers with babies, uh, married people, children. And they, they weren't walking fast. They had no chariots. They, they were uh, just getting out. Can you imagine moving a million people from one place to another? And the Bible tells us that God caused a, a wall between the uh, forces of Pharaoh and the children of Israel. He kept them at bay. Do you know he does that for you every day? The Bible tells us when Satan tried to get to Job, he says, well, have you put a hedge around him? I can't get to him. I would if I could. But you have a hedge around him. Uh, the Bible describes it as a wall of fire around us. That his protecting, guiding uh, love around us. Oh, that's something to thank him for. And we've enjoyed that all day today. It's brought us to this very hour, the protecting hand of the Lord. Our God has revealed his acts to us through his word. I've mentioned those two. What an encouragement to know about what God did for the children of Israel, what he did for Job. And we take great courage in that just by hearing what God did in their lives and what he's doing in ours. One day, his kingdom will literally come to earth and the Son of God will rule and reign in great power in majesty. What a glorious thing that will be. We heard about the host of heaven, the shining ones who do his pleasure, his ministers. One day all the earth will be under that direct rule. And all on earth will do just as they're doing in heaven tonight. Do you think there's any rebellion in heaven? Do you think there's any terrorist threats in heaven? The one time there was a, an uprising in heaven and the angels were cast down to never return. And God puts, put that rebellion down. In heaven there's peace and there's joy and the perfect will of God being done. Some people think that God has already done all of his mighty acts. They act like the parting of the Red Sea was the last time he did anything or the turning of the water into wine. But I want you to know that his mighty acts, what he's recorded for us there, is just a foundation for us to rejoice. We all could recount the mighty acts of God in our own lives, couldn't we? If we just gave our own testimonies. What a miracle it was that you came to Christ, that you came to faith in Christ and have been saved. Not to mention all the daily benefits. Think of we'd be here till, till the Lord came back. If we were recounting all that he did, all the answered prayer. And some people act as if God is no longer doing those things. But he, that he showed its glory and power in Bible times. But he's pretty much through exhibiting his power and glory. But I want you to know that God is still doing amazing, miraculous, life-changing miracles in the lives of people. The salvation of souls every time. A person comes to faith in Christ. A miracle takes place. And in fact, it's such a big deal that the angels of heaven rejoice over the repenting of a sinner. And then when he glorifies himself in his church, 
He's still doing miraculous things. Every church is a miracle. Uh, the fact that they survive. I was reading an article today about the churches all across the world closing, buildings closing. Did you know that uh, in England, the church that sent out uh, uh, William Carey uh, to the India, and the, 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 the famous missionary, is now a Muslim uh, a mosque, a Muslim mosque. And we could recount that over and over again, places that once preached the gospel being surrendered uh, to the cults and the forces of evil. But God's church is still marching on. He said the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I will build my church. His deliverance of us, him keeping us day by day, the fact that there's a church at all, a faith. The Bible says when the Son of Man cometh, Will he find faith on earth? It's a miracle that there's faith at all. At times it's grown dim, hasn't it? At the time of the, the flood, down to one family. But God's preserving and guiding all the way. Think about the deep waters you've passed through. We've talked about the deep waters of the children of Israel. Some of you have passed through some deep waters. Oh, but Pastor, you'd say, I was almost overwhelmed had the Lord not borne me up. Some of you are passing through deep waters. You have much to rejoice about at this Thanksgiving time. Have you not been supported and kept by his grace and power? Can anyone of the sound of my voice says God's grace has failed me? You have failed it, but it has not failed you. There's always grace available. My grace is sufficient for you. Not will be or shall be or used to be. It's always available. If we refuse that grace, there's no other recourse. Can you imagine God's great grace or my little piddly efforts? Why would I turn? Why would I lean to my own understanding? Why would I just do what Chris Lamb could get by with doing when I have the great reservoirs of His grace? Has He not walked through the fires uh, without being singed, without a hair being singed? Have you not come through the fiery furnace? Has He not favored you? Has He not lain you down in green pastures and led you beside still waters? Surely the goodness of God and his miraculous ways have been manifested to us as the saints, as he has to the saints of old. Don't think that they just took place in the days of old. God is still showing his grace and his mercy and making bare his arm. Shouldn't we sing him songs of loudest praise, as the, the hymn writer said? Think about his ways. Our merciful God, our forgiving God, our God of long-suffering, a God who doesn't have to, who chooses to forget the sins that we've committed. Now, we have good memories when it comes to what things people have done against us. We have short memories when it comes about what we've done to others. But God, perfect in every way, in his grace, chooses to forget the sins that we've committed against him. Aren't you glad of that? He's removed them. Look at what the scripture tells us. One of the most beautiful uh, portions of scripture is verse 12. Of Psalm 104. As far as the east is from the west. That's a long distance isn't it? It's immeasurable. So far hath he removed our transgressions from us. He's taken them from us. As far. In verse 11. is The heaven is high above the earth. So great is his mercy toward them that fear him. He uses these comparisons. To show us how great God's mercy and his grace is. Our God is glorified in cleansing and forgiving sinners and making them his children. Now, when we look at the sinfulness of men, uh, we are often uh, uh, repelled by it. 
We see people who are so unlovely, utterly unlovely, that uh, and repugnant to us. It's hard for us to think that God's grace could ever intervene. Do you not think that, that when people heard the name of Saul before his conversion, oh, he was greatly feared uh, among the, the churches, and uh, they, they thought about the evil he did, the relatives that he had arrested, the great uh, havoc that he wreaked upon the church, and then God's grace reached Saul. And if, at first, the church couldn't believe it and didn't want to believe it. We can imagine someone like that, of that great harshness and meanness toward the church. And then they realized that Ananias began to show them that he is genuinely saved and converted, and he became a leader in the church. Well, our God defends his own and keeps us from falling. Jude 24 says, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, and to present you faultless before his Father's throne in glory with exceeding joy. Think about it, faultless. We who are filled with so many faults will be presented in that day faultless. Oh, what an amazing thing. The true child of God may fall, but he gets up, doesn't he? By the grace of God. And in fact, that persevering, that getting up is a proof that divine grace has been worked in their life. And he continues on. Proverbs 24, verse 16, A just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. In forgetting not God's ways, however, we must remember that sin must be judged and paid for before God forgives it. Look in verse 19. It speaks of his throne. The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens. What is his throne prepared for? His throne is made ready... It is prepared, and his kingdom ruleth over all. His throne is a place of power and of judgment. Our sins were judged and paid in full at Calvary, but this great gift of provision proceeds from his throne, his righteous throne of judgment. Who was judged there? One who never sinned. He who knew no sin became sin for us. Oh, the wrath of God was poured out in judgment at Calvary. All of this is based upon the Lord's work at Calvary, the work of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9, the Bible says, He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He is angry at the sin that caused the death of his son. In Psalm 7, verse 11, God judgeth the righteous, and God is angry with the wicked every day. And should he not be? They walk over his provision. They uh, walk past the, the provision of Christ trample underfoot the blood of the atonement? Shouldn't he be angry when his son has given his life for, for, this, for sin and, and they treat it so lightly? They sin against him and sin must be dealt with. We praise him that verse 12 tells us is how far our sins are removed as far as the east is from the west. They're absolutely absolved. They disappear, but those sins must first be acknowledged before they can be forgotten. We must acknowledge them. We must call them what they are and agree with him about our sin before they can be dealt with by the blood of Calvary. And then he tells us, thirdly, to forget not the end of all things. We can often get so caught up in the events of this world and what's going to happen and the, the, the terrors and the fears and the unsettled, unsettled ways across the earth that we forget that God is in control and how things are going to end. 
Psalm 102, look there in verse, uh, uh, back in Psalm 102, verse 25, the scripture says, Of old thou hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hands. They shall perish, but thou shalt endure. Yea, all of them shall wax old like a garment, as a vesture shalt thou change them, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall have no end. The children of thy servants shall continue, and their seed shall be established before thee. Well, Peter, the New Testament version of that, says this. But the day of the Lord shall come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. That won't be by global warming or by the atomic bomb. That will be by the wrath of God as he pours out his own wrath against uh, the sins of men. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, and what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation, a set-apart lifestyle and godliness, looking for and hasting into the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire. Can you imagine the heavens being on fire? Have you ever thought what that would be like? All the heavens on fire and shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth. All will be restored exactly as the Lord created it originally, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot and, and blameless. Oh, the Lord has done so much for us. We should not forget his benefits. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name, as the, the scripture tells us, and sing to him. Tell others about him, this forgiving God, this God who reconciles us to himself. Oh, what amazing things he does for us, and we praise him for it. Well, may the Lord give us much to thank him for during this Thanksgiving season.